Uh, no. Now, do you want to do a show? Now would be a good time. All right, I got to do this again. I this thing. I, I got. I have to reset the uh, the settings on my. Uh, this is a um, good story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, show, any, show. Any, any sentence that starts with have to reset the settings. I, I want to hear more. <laughs> oh, you do? And then what happens? <laughs> This is a show. Oh, it is because we have an operator. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. There it is. I'm going to turn this up. Oh, yeah. No, just this part, because you said you love the... I gotta buy new socks. Now, this specific... big toe goes. I don't know if you ever talked about this specific version of the song. Uh, is from Stars on 45. Are you familiar with that whole concept? The guy, it was a Miko guy. I think they used to just mix all. He would pick like 70s disco songs and they would just all kind of blend together. He'd do 40 songs and they all kind of had this disco-y, like nonstop remix thing. Oh no, I'm not familiar. Stars on 45. What, now, is this a different version than we used to have? No. Oh. I just didn't know if we ever actually talked about it. We didn't, actually. We I think I'm doing have... you a solid, dude. I'm turning this out real quick. So oh. I did there. Mostly because we're out of battery power. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should never never charge your stuff. Uh, just like a little kid. Back to what, uh, your question you asked about yeah, you, names. Uh, yeah, you said you. there's another Brian Irwin. There's a lot of other Brian Irwins. So, well, but uh, there's a Brian Irwin that if I Googled, I would find. Oh, yeah, there's there's a couple ones. So the thing is, is you know, and this is probably goes back to the MySpace days um, when I think a lot of us were To our listeners, that, that just before Facebook, there was a thing called MySpace. <laughs> and before that, it was called Friendster. And before, and before that, that, just here, I'm going to send you It was called a, AOL. I'm going to send America you a LinkedIn Online. invite and just accept it. <laughs> yeah, I'm on LinkedIn now. <laughs> hey, so, uh, yeah, it's done. It's done wonders for Yeah, me. I mean, your career's taken off. Dude. Now I'm just reconnecting with all the same people on Facebook, except this time they're wearing suits in their pictures. All well, right, so- the so it's that thing where like okay I want to be a quote unquote entertainer you use that term loosely but when you do that you Google your name you want to be number one that's the thought is like Google whatever the search engines you should be if you want to be the most popular in your name so I went there um, and uh, I wasn't number one there mm. and, and not even in my own name mine is Brian with B R Y A N right but there was so a unique. there was a, a Brian with an I who was a rapper a uh, teenage rapper okay oh a teenage um, rapper teenage my rapper. favorite kind. Now, now he would so be. Much life now he would be a middle, uh, a mid twenties rapper, maybe a late third. I don't know what, what mm. age you be. And there was a, also a, um, a magician, an infotainer, I believe, is what he is. An infotainer, an infotainer who does magic. And there was a very successful Texas high school football coach. He trended higher than everybody. But then again, if you've seen Friday Night Lights, that yeah, should not Texas be a surprise high school to football. You. But I think that's so. Of the all the Brian Irwins you find, you are the least successful. Until. Oh, you found a homeless Brian Until Irwin. the puppets. The police oh. versus fire, the, when Policeman versus Fireman hit on you YouTube, go. then I was no longer um, the least successful. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you for making it fair. You're right. Where do you, if, I, if I Google John Huck, where do you show up? Uh, I am at the top, usually with that Germany story about shitting my pants. So you are the most popular. <laughs> there are other John Hucks, if I remember correctly. And you're, you're actually friends with I'm one of your John Hucks. I'm friends with, Hucks, right? there, there's, a, there's a sound designer named John Huck who I don't know. And then there's a John Huck who is an artist, a photographer, and yeah, that's the one. I and uh, he's down, do, moved on to watercolors. Actually, I should see if he wants to do the podcast. So this is good though because I just googled you, and it's all your images. That's the most important yeah, thing I think yeah, is yeah, images yeah. over website. Yeah. But all of your images, some of those. God, that's I remember when you used to be like that. Those, <laughs> what, I, I call that no. The two, those are those are what I call the uh, the family pack of uh, of beer days. 
Oh, the, when the, I would just show this, up that, with that one. Oh yeah, that's the John. Now you, you look a little more reasonable now. Thank but you. But the uh, that John Huck photography actually shows up above John Huck on your IMDb. But then it, you that, pretty much control it from there on out. Yeah, that's cocaine that's, and depression. Yeah, loses his pants. Yeah, that's mermaid's okay. delight. It's a great, great way to lead into. Who, hey, if you want to, hey, if you want to know who I am, Google my name and watch this, all those clips because I'm a fucking asshole. This picture. Uh, what picture? Just the one of you, like it just looks like you, yeah. you got male, male pattern baldness, which you really don't. Well, that, that picture the, makes you look like. Can you I did. tell you that before I had that, uh, before I used, started using the shampoo that I use, I that's, oh, it's a shampoo commercial. We what? have our first sponsor, Nioxin. I don't. Okay, we don't. But really that's have our the sponsor. stuff that. But that's the Is stuff that over that the counter or under the counter. It was over the counter. You, it's like expensive. You buy it in a salon, but like this chick who, like I met, who was like, oh, yeah, I lost my hair when I moved out here. Like then I started using this shampoo, and I was like, well, that sounds ridiculous. So I've just for kicks, I had the money. I went and bought this shampoo, and I was like, holy shit! My buddy actually has shaved his head. This guy moved out here with he used to have long hair. Shaved his head, moved away, came back, and was like, hey. I thought you were going bald too. What happened? Like he was super bummed out by it. <laughs> he wanted you on the team, and you weren't yeah. on the team anymore. And once I started using that stuff, Eric Abrams said to me, "He's like, well, you can't do your baby, your doll, baby doll hair joke anymore, or whatever." And I was like, "I go, yeah, I guess not." And he's like, "Are you gonna write a book called Shampoo Killed My Comedy Career?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know where he thought your comedy career was going was at that like, point. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks for the fucking support, buddy. Yeah, I really Thank appreciate you. that. Uh, want to bring in our guest? Yep. All right, our guest today, a comedian. And do you want me to play the song again, the theme song? I know how much you love it. No, dude, I don't think we do the theme song when we bring. It. No, I forgot about that. I just thought it seemed like more so than any other day. You really liked the theme song. I uh, no, I love it. I think it's <laughs> of all the theme songs. How are we being snubbed at the well, end? This is the only show that has a live orchestra playing. <laughs> guys, that's, that's the other thing. Thanks, orchestra guys. Like, you just you hear guys, people yeah. packing up in you the guys, background. You guys take five. We'll we'll come at you for the outro. <laughs> I thought it was just the Simpsons that did that nowadays. But no, yeah, no, no, yeah. we do we do this Real live Oscars. with Real live life. music. Guys, our guest today, comedian uh, Matt Kirshen. Hey, John. How are you, buddy? Hey, Brent. How's it going? Thank you. Um, I, I only say comedian, but I'm sure you do other things. I, uh, yeah, I do, but that's the... Like, everything I do is tenuously connected to that. Right, 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 right. So you like, do some acting and you Yeah, do some... I'll go up for auditions and stuff, and I'll very rarely get them, and I'll do writing from time to time, but everything... Like, every job I've ever had that... Stems from... Yeah, comes from the fact that I do comedy. Uh, do, you do, do you do a lot of commercials? No, I have done in the past, but no. Oh, I, okay. Uh, no, you got to look. You got a, a voice. Look. You got to look. He has a voice. You're a human being. Well, no, you know what I mean, though. Some people, like, that's it's distinct. It's, you know, that's all. That's good. I found, so, like, I, you must go. You, you've got a look. You must go for commercial I go auditions. I for a lot of commercials. He does yeah. have a look. Yeah, and but a voice. Here's what, here's what surprised me about commercial auditions. Because when, when you go for a non, when you go for, like, a normal, like, a sitcom or a drama or whatever, they tell you, like, don't dress as the character. That's weird. Yeah. Like, don't, like... Like, dress like the character. Like, if it's a teacher, don't show up in shorts. And if it's... But right. people do that, right? There are a lot of people that get uh, like, like com- go out and buy the whole commercial book, right? Well, for commercials, they about, do, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know whether it's just because commercials, you're being judged not just by professionals, but by the client. So someone from Doritos is going like, I don't know, is that guy, he doesn't look like a sailor, so you have to shop in a sailor hat. <laughs> that, but that's the thing, that is part of it, I think, is that you're not just dealing with people within the entertainment industry, you're dealing with people in the advertising industry, and so sometimes they, <laughs> they don't have the wherewithal yeah. to be like, what would this guy look dressed as Peter Pan? Nope, you gotta sit in a waiting room with a bunch of other people dressed as fucking Peter Pan. Yeah, and if you like, okay, so if you're in a sitcom and it's a driving scene... You mime driving, like you'll have a hand on a steering wheel and that's it. Yeah. And but in a in a commercial audition, they'll have like a toy plastic steering wheel. Yeah. That they'll hand you, like a kid's toy. <laughs> 
that you like drive there so that they can go like, oh, that's where he looks like driving. All right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're right. You're right. And I'll actually go into commercial auditions and say, if or, or theatrical auditions, and if it's got like action in there, I'm not going to mime it. So I'm going to, I just tell them outright, I go, hey, I'm not going to mime this action. It doesn't, it would look weird. And no, because like, I've done, I, I made that mistake when I first got into town and I was like trying to do everything in it. And I'm already, I'm already like an amateur actor. Like I've done bits now. I, I'm sort of, I, but it's not like it's way down the list of things I'm comfortable doing. Right, right. Um, so trying to also kind of do mime work. And yeah. Just kind of <laughs> As you're thinking about your lines and trying to figure out your eyeline, and then you're like pretending to like butter bread. Like yeah, and you're like, <laughs> if I get this roll, there'll be real bread. There. Yeah, I won't have to mime that shit. I'll Can just I have use the refrigerator it. be on my left? Yeah, no, that's why. And, and I took an acting class, and they were like, never mime, never fucking mime. If you got to do something with a phone, no, they're saying John, phone. never mind. They're they like, didn't never mind. The business. Don't be an actor. Never mind. Never mind. Just get John. out of here. <laughs> Um, no, but I've, I learned that, and I because because before I was like you, I would go in there and I would try to get everything, and I would try to pretend like I was doing it. And it's like they don't need that. Yeah, they, like what are you doing? Yeah, they don't need that at all. So. They just want to see if you can respond, say the lines well, and respond well to the other people saying their lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and, yeah, commercials—they really are. Like I don't, I do what. Yeah, I mean, he's looking all right, but how would he look holding a mop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to see him with a mop. Yeah, it's it's so funny, and then you see the people that like because I've. I take a very relaxed approach to commercial auditions, not because I'm not serious about it, but because I feel like they're going to see my face, and if my face fits the look that they want for their commercial, I'm going to get it. Yeah, and if and, not, you won't. And if it's not, I mean, I'm going to go in and deliver the lines. It's not like I don't try or I don't show up with a positive attitude, because they do. But I see people in the in the waiting rooms of those places taking it too far. Like, yeah. I went in for an island survivor. This guy was putting shoe polish all over his arms to make it look like he'd been out in the sun. And so he just looked like he had shoe polish all over dude, his he looked, arms? Dude, he looked filthy by the end of it. And I, he was in a loincloth and he had a spear. And I was like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Like, I just I walked to the audition. I, t- I wore a winter hat. It was hot out. By the time I got there, I took it off. I was sweaty as shit. That's all. That's how I went in there. I was yeah, like, and like ruffled your shirt up a bit. Yeah, yeah, I wore a wife beater under a shirt and then just went in there. I was like, hey. And they were like, great, thank you. And then I got it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, don't you think there's also an element of having to not give a shit at some point? If you come in and you just really want it too much, that's bad too. Well, well I oh, think totally. it depends how you show how that you want it. That's like, what I mean. You go be in me to me. It's like just do show up, be professional, get in there, know your lines. Yeah, yeah. Don't be a De- dick. Deliver the thing. But you're right. Don't walk in there like, hey guys. Also, you know, I, I like I also eat Snickers. So. <laughs> Because I say that shit off camera. Like, if I'm just, just me and a casting person, I'm like, you have no idea how much I love Miller Lite. And they're like, oh, man, just, just shooting these auditions, I just want to go out and get hammered tonight. I'm like, I know, right? So then they roll the cameras. I don't talk about Miller Lite on camera to Miller Lite people. Like, <laughs> I'm a huge, without me, you'd be like half the company. That actually scares them. Yeah, then they're like, we don't want some else. fat, alcoholic piece of shit. Yeah. I'm literally your biggest fan. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, guys, can I can I hang out or yeah. guys? I, 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 need, I need this. It's yeah. just a, it's just a, an, and uh, I did just wet my pants because I am drunk. I'm yeah, Miller Lite. Yeah, boy, am I hammered? <laughs> can I work at the factory? <laughs> I'll take whatever jobs you guys whatever have. Whatever Miller open. Lights offering, I work at the front desk. I'll answer phone calls. <laughs> I'm like a method drinker, so <laughs> you're cool he if I just is. slam this six pack. Yeah, I am. Me and Brian, sh- <laughs> me and Brian shot a very small, quick sketch together. Oh, come on. Oh, is that you? Yeah, oh. uh, we shot a very small sketch together, and in the sketch, we're supposed to have beers because we're just like it's supposed to be a casual Saturday. And I and I uh, I was like, well, okay, so I bring a twelve pack, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it was like nine in the morning. He's like, yeah, you don't need to like. Drink. You didn't need to drink them, like but I, just, I, they, but, they, I, but I was holding it, so I just kept drinking, and like ha- halfway through the the shoot, I got I was drunk. I, I was got like, some great. Fuck. One of these days, 
I will take. I will get the outtakes because there he is. There's a lot of a <laughs> lot, lot of like in between takes yelling at me for no <laughs> fucking reason, like just like I hate you. And I'm like, How, you hate me? And then at first I thought he was kidding. He's like, no, I'm, I hate you. <laughs> but to be clear about that, I hate you. You've never that never happened again, which is odd because I that could have been a like a, a deal breaker of like a we'll never hang out again, we'll never work with each other again. I think at that like point all those you, things, knew, but... you knew enough about me to know that sometimes I drank too much. But it was also, I think maybe what saved you in that situation is even though you were yelling how much you disliked me at the time, you also began the process of writing one of your most famous songs. My Amazing Butthole? My Amazing Butthole. Was that, that was the invention of the song My Amazing yeah, Butthole. Which someday, which, we should sing on the air. We should sing that for... Which was a huge crowd pleaser in Echo Park. When <laughs> oh my God. They loved it, dude. I think I don't think they knew what they... It was ahead of its time. I think <laughs> Way ahead of its time. Let's just say it was ahead of its time. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was... Like, I used to, you know, I, and also at that stage of my which life... Which we've now learned why probably when they make beer commercials, they don't give anybody real alcohol. Oh my God, no. I guess the they don't. I guess that's one of the tricks of the trade. <laughs> that, you're, not, you're not allowed to drink on camera. And then everything is a fake. Like anytime you do a commercial, like I did a Burger King thing, and it was like the cups are these like four hundred dollar matted gloss that don't reflect. They're not the cups you just get in the store. So they're like, don't touch the cups. <laughs> like cups are very <laughs> special. And then they hand you this perfectly made burger that yeah. looks like nothing you've ever seen at Burger King. And they're like, hold it like you're getting a cramp in your hand. Like uh huh, like this, like this, <laughs> like this. Now pretend you're gonna bite into it, but don't actually bite into it. Right. Like because it's glue, because it's yeah, mostly it's, glue. It's all bad for you. <laughs> it's just funny that nothing is real. <laughs> no, well, it's not supposed to be. No, I know Hollywood magic. I will. So, ahead, I was say, so they're not legally allowed to. You're not legally allowed to drink alcohol in an alcohol commercial, right? right. Which is classic America. Makes right, right. absolutely no sense. You're yep. selling a product that is to be consumed by a mouth. It's the it's the it's the most harmful product that we sell. That's sold. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's advertising. You know, but you TV can advertise because cigarettes, yeah, cigarettes are worse. But you, you can't, can't go on TV any. and be like Paul Malls. No, I would, yeah, they're which done. you Those used to done. be able to. Correct. Yeah. Backwood fact, like, smokes. How can anything fact, so mild be so wild? In fact, like I think my favorite time was even before. Like back in the early days of TV, when they would just do the commercial in the show. Yeah, right. Like yeah, I guess like they Benny still do for... for radio, but they just. Yeah, no, but like they'd be like they'd, be, they'd cut away, and Jack Benny would be like, "Paul Malls." Like you know, they would do a cigarette commercial. Like like the character would just stop halfway through the scene and just go like, "Hey, by the way, I this is what I like to smoke." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, and happen. Cool. Seventy six gasoline. I like to smoke Paul Malls while I pump it. <laughs> <laughs> Feeding my baby seven up. Yeah, I mean you're right though. That was the it was. There's another rule as well with beer commercials. I think they can't um, they they can't create a direct link between drinking the alcohol and having fun or something like that. Like definitely can't be driving or have cars involved. No, at yeah, all there's whatsoever. no cars involved unless it's a unless it's a Budweiser for a de, you know a, a I just I designated just, driver commercial. I just think it's sad when you get to the point where you have to just tr- you you're you're basically mm-hmm. catering to the lowest common denominator of stupidity like that's basically what their 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 rules and regulations are, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like dumb it down so that um you know one idiot doesn't do something and somehow or another connects it to blame to you. Well, no, no, because you, I saw you drinking the beer in that commercial, so I drank some, <clears throat> and then I murdered my family. And then there's there's some fine print on all that, like drink responsibly. You know what I mean? Always have a designated driver. Like there's all kinds of like fine print under all that now, just for those reasons. With cigarettes, like country by country, they're getting gradually more and more restrictive. But no one, no country will actually ban cigarettes, but they will. 
restrict where you can smoke them, which is well, becoming under your covers, like in your own apartment. But I even think. like taking oh, away branding angry over there. No, 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 no. I'm I'm fine with that. Taking away branding meaning you can't even. Well, like um, okay, so in Australia, for example, all cigarettes have to be sold in identical packs. All of them. So, so there's no specific. You can say I want Marlboro, but you're yeah. gonna get a white package it's, no matter it's like what. Like a kind of olive green color. And the name of the brand is just in neutral small lettering. And so it just it's just to take away that sort of brand association. So like you don't have that sort of Marlboro red and white like, right, right, like right. association or whatever, like silk That's a good cup, idea. purple. It's just everything is just um this neutral olive green. <laughs> which is funny, which is interesting because <clears throat> I don't know. That's interesting. And you do put the name of the cigarette on there. So people are like, yeah, I like Marlboro. I like Camel, whatever. But it's still like, yeah. I wonder how much that affects their choice. Like, I don't care whatever you have. Well, I used to have a bit about it. I used to have a joke that I was doing about like how much cigarette advertising affects you. Like, I have a favorite brand and I don't smoke. Right, right. What's your favorite brand? I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a smoker. But I, it, it was, it was, oh, like I have a few kind of rank. But it, it, it was based on a true thing. I remember being in a bar. And seeing someone pull out, uh, it was I think it was a pack of Lucky Strikes, and I found myself thinking, "Oh, that's a good one." And like I've never, <laughs> never had it in oh. my life. Yeah. Never, I've, I've like smoked three cigarettes in my life because I was hammered or whatever, and like right. just wanted to try it. And I, it was probably Marlboro Light because that's what most of my friends smoked, or it was like a Rolly, like a right a self Golden Virginia yeah. rolled cigarette. Like I, I've never smoked. I don't think I've ever smoked a Lucky Strike in my life. But I found myself thinking, "Oh, that's oh, one yeah. of the better ones." Like yeah. I don't, I've got Lucky no strike. idea. Oh yeah. Oh, what you got there? Lucky Strike. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's you can see one. there's a lot of childhood pictures of me um, uh, when we would go to the lake house, and my favorite hat was a Schlitz hat, oh, and yeah. I lo- I love that Schlitz logo, and I was like seven years old. Yeah. You know, I was just. But did your dad drink Schlitz? No, it didn't matter. But but the point being is like, that's like as early branding as you can possibly get. And I was wearing, I used to wear kids' shirts that had beer logos and stuff like that. I wore Spuds McKenzie t shirts to fucking middle school, man. Nobody said shit. Well, Joe Camel was Joe Joe Camel. Camel was not a big deal my entire existence as a kid until Mm -hmm. I was like 25. And they were like, hey, this markets to children. I'm like, really? Like the children like me who started smoking because we were like, yay, Joe Camel. I guess at the end of the day, though, like when it comes to cigarette smoking, and pretty much you, you kind of know what the end game is, right? Like they, at this point, you got to know. That There's nobody get, who's like, whoa, 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 what do you mean these are bad for me? I thought they made me look cool. <laughs> but they do still. I like now, now what the tobacco companies do is. They're running out of markets, so they they're really pushing heavily on Asia and, oh, yeah. and Africa. And have, yeah. you, have you traveled in Asia? Have you done? Have you gone through there and, yeah, and done shows and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. They I've, love smoking over there. They I'm really, blo- yeah. That's it's mind boggling. I mean, I did like a military tour and 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 uh, all those all the like North Korea or not North Korea. I'm sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, what, who's so, military? <laughs> were you touring, psycho? <laughs> I, I was with Rodman. South Korea. <laughs> Um, and you know, like uh, Japan and, and Guam, all those areas, and just just boom, especially smoking. Japan. I was blown away by how much cigarette yeah, smoking. China was going has on huge in Japan. smoking. Um, yeah, and it's because I think they they haven't they're behind on the regulations, and tobacco companies are seeing it as like, well, we're going to lose this eventually, but we can squeeze out like another half decade of profits, right? Before yeah. before that, before we, we, they're, we, also, we they're eventually all going to move to marijuana. Do you know what I well, mean? Well, they already are. Yeah. Like, the second... Um, that becomes legal. They've already got the packaging. They've got everything lined oh, up. Oh, they've, they've, they've already got the patents out on, yeah. uh, on like, various delivery methods for yeah. wheat. Like, it will... And as I don't know what... Because it's in that legal gray area now in America where it's legal at the state level, but illegal Federally, at the federal level. Federally, they can shut it down if they want to, yeah, but so I don't states think, make their own laws. Exactly. So I don't think, 
like the big companies are going to get in there until that closes down. But in, but you know that they're ready. You know they're uh, yeah. already talking to wholesalers and like growers and everything. And you know that they already have. I, they have I the, think I've seen. Well, the they have the infrastructure. They have the infrastructure. They have the distribution in place. They have yeah, everything, everything that's ready to go. Yeah, they they just, just swap the product. And I'm sorry, but like you can grow weed just as easily as you can grow tobacco. Correct. Yeah. So wait, this, wait, what? Okay. I mean, I've let's heard. take a step back for a sec. Cause obviously I, how long, so obviously you grew up where? Grew up in the, the suburbs of London. The suburbs of London. Okay. And how long have you been in the States now? Well, like, if, or are you not technically officially in the States? Are you officially? No, I mean, I've been, I've been living here pretty much permanently for the last few years. Is but this I, podcast going to get you deported? I mean, it depends on what I say yet. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but it, um, I first came over in 2007. Okay. And then I spent more and more time here and less and less time there until eventually I was like, all right, I'm here. Okay. All right. Now, uh, 2007, what brought you over here? Uh, Last Comic Standing. Last Comic Standing was oh, what wow. brought you over here. So. That was what, yeah, because it was um, season five of that show. They did, like every year they had a, like a different gimmick or whatever. And the gimmick in that year was, we're going international. Okay, so that so, wasn't a setup. You actually, at that time, were, were actually 100% over there. You didn't I, go back. Like, you know, like some people, they go back to whatever city. Oh, yeah, Then yeah. they know that they're going there, but they haven't lived there you're for like, years or whatever. Comic, and then it shows them, like, in Iowa or whatever, right. like, with their mom and dad. Like, oh, this is my big break. And yeah. you go, like, you were just living in Manhattan, like, right. three minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you actually, at the time, you found... So let's, let's... We'll start there, and then I would like to go back a little bit further about your full stand-up career. Yeah. But since we're talking about this... Um, you found out about that. Were you familiar with it pre- previous to? I had never seen an episode. Okay. Because it hadn't been broadcast in the UK yet. It had not never. Okay, so. So that was the first season as well, where they, because they were going international, they got like a deal with what was then the Paramount Comedy Channel, which became Comedy Central UK. Okay. And they broadcast it on that channel. Okay. Um, and because of that, that's how I found out about it. I knew someone who worked for the network and she went, hey, they're doing this show and they're doing these auditions. You should go for it. Now, did you do traditional auditions? Did you have somebody get you? Were you able to kind of bypass any of it, or did you have to go from like I, I know nothing Dude, I, other than I just got in? There was no line. There was okay. <laughs> there was no line. Like here's the here's the thing. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> like I, unlike so the, the the in um like particularly the New York or LA auditions, huh. uh, as people in the industry will know, there's the people who have stood in line for two days waiting to get on. They haven't actually done that the last couple of years. It's all been invitationals, but they. They used to. They used yeah. to. They used to have people stood in line for th- for day three days, but yeah. then also people with agents or managers would somehow not be standing in line. Right. Right. For three yeah. There days. was always a back door. There was like the open call, and then there was the appointment. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, in Britain, they they kind of they didn't really need to have that because everyone was suspicious of the show. Everyone was wary <laughs> of the show. It's like, oh, what is because, this, American reality show? What are we doing? Because it's an American reality show, and you guys all saw how, what a fucking shithouse everything we put out has been. Like, it's yeah. all been a lying, backstabbing. We usually take been, our shows from you. Well, everyone... Yeah, steal them and make them much worse. <laughs> well, so we all had that slight reticence, and then, you know, people went for it, and there were they did manage to find, like, most people who went for it were working comedians, but they okay. managed to find the odd pe- person who was whatever there's always somebody that's going to put the dog and pony show on yeah and then they also but they to get the line they padded the line out with production assistants and stuff (laughs) and then they got a couple of like for b-roll or whatever they got a couple of uh they hired some extras and dressed them as like a beef eater and uh, that's fucking hilarious i can't remember what else there was but they like had like four traditional london things like a 
someone like a a queen lookalike or whatever to come out and tell, pretend to be telling jokes. Just, like, no, oh, just not telling jokes, but just to stand in the line when they ran the camera down the line. So I just um, I remember actually I was doing a show in Glasgow the night before. So I was coming back from Glasgow. I got into into King's Cross Station. I still had my King's, like, overnight is King's Cross still a, a rundown place to buy heroin. I mean, like you can get better heroin other places. Okay, but you guys can that's work all, better out. You guys that's can all work I knew about King's stage. Cross when I went to London. Everyone was like, "Don't go to King's Cross." I was like, "We'll be right back. We're going to King's Cross." All right, listen. Oh, no, no, I just definitely... watched the Amy Winehouse documentary. No, Let's stay I away from the heroin. I, I didn't do. Yeah, don't worry about that. It's definitely um, no King's Cross because they redid some Pancras Station, which is like a ta- is part of the same station, and it looks really nice. So yeah, the whole area's kind of been refurbished. Nice. Um, but I still have my little overnight wheelie suitcase with me, and I just went down to the comedy store in London and did my audition and it went well and then I got brought back for the evening bit and that went well and then they were like all right you're going to LA uh, wow and then they just you anybody or were there more no um who was there there was um the three brits in the semifinals there were actually a couple more people who got put through to the semifinals on the night but then they didn't didn't yeah i didn't i didn't even realize that at the time um but there was me spencer brown and then Jeannie Yashere, but she actually auditioned in Australia because that's where she was at the time. Okay. They went London, Sydney, and Montreal. They were the three international cities they did. Okay. Um, so, Jean, um, yeah, uh, and then Gina and I got through to the final bit. But uh, to, to the States. When you say the final, you're talking about to all the way to the States or all the way to the finals? To the final ten. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. Um, Perfect. But yeah, I didn't even realize. So once we got through to the semifinals, then they were like, all right, we now, we now need to get you a visa. You so then, be here for a while. Yeah. So then there was like, okay, you need to put all this stuff together. <laughs> you, which I've now done many times, but you need to get like press quotes and letters of support, and like you need to letters of support. You gotta can't prove they just, that why you should be there. Or why yeah. You well, be here? So they couldn't just say no, no. We're, we got we we we're bringing them in or quote unquote we're hiring them for this show or whatever, and that's not enough. No, you have to get a specific letter from your mom. You have to get a specific category of visa. And to get that visa, you have to prove that you are an original and unique performer. Which is, like, it's it's an alien of extraordinary ability, is what <laughs> yeah. it says on my visa. Um, which is 01, 01 category. And it's... Um, <laughs> extraordinary ability. I can I'm, still, I'm still focused on the eyes. alien part. Yeah. But. So it's, it's really <clears throat> ridiculous. So it, but what it means is you just get, like, every time you've ever been mentioned in a newspaper, which, by the way, my mum... My invaluable at this stage because I had none of that stuff yeah, oh yeah that she be, <laughs> said everything she'd like, been scrapbooking so it was like uh, it was great uh, and then <laughs> and then you get letters what you do is you get letters of support so you and the letters all have the same structure like the lawyer kind of tells you what you need and the letter says something like uh, this is who I am I am a TV producer or I own this comedy club or whatever and this is why my opinion is valid and why I'm important and then <laughs> I urge you to support his petition, this is why he's good, or whatever. And it, it like, and it, so I just got as many of those as possible. But then also, you sort of got the weird thing is, the people who are looking at it don't really know who's who or what's what. So you, I had, you know, I had some reviews from like national newspapers, uh, because the Edinburgh Festival kind of helps with that because okay. you get reviewed at these shows. So I had like reviews from things like The Guardian and The Independent, but I also had like Three Weeks magazine, which is. A, a publication that only exists during the Edinburgh Fringe and is mostly staffed by students. Right. And, and you realize the person reading this doesn't have a clue what 
the publication yeah, or where know, it's like, from or if it's professional or not or you don't know like one's a national newspaper <clears throat> with a building right and one the, run by two stone guys in the back of a warehouse yeah right. the other's like a website right uh, <laughs> like it's a, it's a URL and pretty much nothing else uh and, and then um and, and the same goes for the letters you know I got you know I got anyone I knew who worked for like the BBC ITV and some of them were you, you, know, you went for some good uh, uh what, what do you titles call it? letterheads uh, letterhead yeah. you went for good letterhead <laughs> yeah. Go. yeah exactly and again you know some of them are that person's been the producer of real TV shows and the other one's like oh that's my friend Rohan yeah who is who has been working for the BBC for exactly nine months but <laughs> he, but it, tells it, it girls says, he's a director like, at the bar exactly but it says comedy department in there oh, oh so Ro- Rohan's job like he's now been producing TV for quite a while because this was eight years ago but um. He, his job at the BBC when he first got in was to read every unsolicited script that got sent in. Oh, wow. Uh, and because it's a public broadcaster, they have to read everything. Uh, and they guy. have to give a reason for rejecting it. Whoa. Uh, do you, actually, do you, do you want to take a guess at the most commonly pitched sitcom title? Um, who's Who? That's uh, pretty good. Uh, we, weed... I'll give you a little clue. Um, if I don't know if it'll help nudge you. Or Back anything. to school. Every, they it, it it involves some kind of like odd couple pairing of two people being pushed together in a situation. Um, is it the odd couple? Not quite. Uh, uh, odd couples. The I'm... most common. The most common title he got was under one roof. Under one roof. Under one roof sounds like the shittiest ABC Family show ever. There was a pilot about three years ago in pilot <laughs> season that was called Under One. <laughs> Did you get it? I didn't. You didn't get it. Uh, but it's a. Uh, yeah, it's so much like he's a racist. She's <laughs> right. Oh, and they live in the same house. Yeah. <sighs> Just uh, he's a racist. She's a homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> They kind of get on all right. They yeah. live in one bi- one apartment in the Trump Tower. Just a roof. No house around it. Just yeah. a roof in the air. Under one roof and four sticks. <laughs> so it was. So I got all the paperwork together, and then, um, you know, the first visa was... I, I assumed it was just a technicality, because, you know, you got, like, NBC's legal department doing it for you. So you... Did you have to... So did you... You had to submit all this stuff yourself, or do they have somebody that took... At some point... Somebody says, give, give it all to me. I'm going to make sure this oh, all happens. Oh, no, no. They, they, you know, they, had, they had NBC's immigration lawyer or whatever, or whoever it is they use. Review everything. it all. Make sure that it yeah, all they, is going to... Yeah, they were like, send this... I had to collate everything. You did. You still had to do all that. I still had to find all that stuff because yeah. I guess I would know where to find that stuff. Yeah, and I had to. Enough. I had to approach the people who wrote the letters. But then once I got the letters, I sent it all off to them and then... They put it through. And this takes how long? So this is all going on for how long since? So you you know that you're going, they say, great, you're going, you're think. going on. I think the Weeks? Ti- months? The timing of it was uh, the heat, like the initial uh, London audition was, I think, around February, maybe January, February. And then the semifinals were in, I'm going to say April. And then the final 10, when they brought me back again, was in... June or July. Okay, so you didn't come and stay. You actually went back and forth. I went back and forth. Okay. Yeah, and then um, uh, for the semi, yeah, for, but so they after in February they were kind of went, all right, you're through, and then they sort of took me aside and gave me a whole lot more paperwork, and then they went, okay, we're gonna need this immigration stuff, so start on it now, and then I gave it to them, and they went, right, you'll get a message when your visa's been approved. When that happens, call me. It was a uh, my friend Stephanie now, who is um, who was at the time the coordinator like she was like the rank the axe wrangler or whatever that was her job and then i called her and went hey i just got the visa approval and she went uh all right well then i'm pleased to tell you you are coming to la for the semi-finals and that was the first point where i realized 
Oh, I didn't realize that was a maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> if you were going to get cleared. Well, yeah, if you yeah. didn't get cleared, they're like, you won't be coming. Well, I mean, yeah. think about it. I suppose there's still, there is some checks and balances, right? They could find out like, oh, this guy has a criminal past. Right. He's not getting out of here anyway, well, so we can't guarantee that he's going to make it. That happened with one Which would one be of a great acts. story. That happened with one of the oh, acts. It did. She had, it, like, yeah, um... Uh, one of the comics had uh, it's something she talks about in her act, so I don't think I'm just telling tales or anything. But she had, she had like she had some criminal record in the past, or so, and she just couldn't get the visa approved in time. So they just went like, "I'm sorry, but you you ain't coming." Wow. Uh, and also just a couple of other acts they just didn't take through, which I didn't realize they just they got the visa, but then went, "Oh, if, I, I again now with hindsight looking back at it, I go, of course, of course they they need to have forty people in the semifinals." So, of course, they give the red envelope, like the golden ticket or whatever, to 47 people. Just to make right. sure that they get their number, yeah. Yeah, and so a few people just who, on the taping, on the night, assume they were getting through to the semifinals, then just never make the edit. Like, you just see them in the green room area or on the stage or whatever, and you might see, like, a minute of their act, but then you just don't see them getting the... Right. Big thumbs up. So, did you realize in the end that uh, thank God you handed yours in early, like first? Like, do you think that that may have something to do with it, or do you think they 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 had their prior their ones that they wanted to go through for sure, I don't and know. then or I you think, have no idea? I don't, I don't know for sure, but I I feel pretty confident that because I it's all about casting. Like, and right. I, I'm I'm in a no illusion. Like, I was I was five and a half years into stand up at the time, so I'm not like I know I wasn't the best comic that they could have put through, right? Although, but I know, but I also know I did a really good. I did two really good sets, mm-hmm. and I presented something different. Like I, I was twenty six. I looked about twenty two. I'm like this English wide eyed kid. I was playing a role. Like I was right, playing yeah, the yeah. role. I was the i I was the naive, like wide eyed, happy to be there. English Were you aware kid. of it immediately and 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 played into it or no? To an extent, but again, I, I, I'm so dumb with that kind of thing. It's like like. <laughs> Like a year later, just like looking back on the show and going, "Oh, that was a stupid thing to say," or "That was the right," or oh, "That was accidentally the right thing to say." I, right. Like I've I've advised friends since on, like when friends of mine have gone up for that show, I've I've got like an email ready to go of like, "Hey, this is uh, <laughs> this is what I think I did right. This is what I think I did wrong. Here's how." you might want to think about playing this game. Yeah, what you need to know. Now, because you were... Okay, so you you advance. Yeah. How did you construct your stand-up from that point? Did you think to yourself, all right, if I'm on this American television show, did you find it more important to do stand-up gigs in the States? Or were you like, you know what, I need to just focus solely on honing my craft, go back to where I came from, and continue to do my stage time there wasn't really where t- I'm most familiar with? There wasn't time to think through any of that. Okay. Uh, I really didn't have time. I w- again, with if, with hindsight, if I knew I was going to be in the... In the finals, what I probably should have done was spent April till July. I should have just stayed in LA, okay, and just done gigs. Yeah. I should have just done as many sets as possible. Because his, I, I had, I just done the Edinburgh Festival for the first time as a solo act. So I just. <laughs> and so John usually does the coughing. We allow coughing on the show. When you oh, cool. when you say solo act, what were you doing before? Um. So you do like. You do split bills where you oh, share your oh, hour you share, with like, Oh, yeah, you share a headline spot. But you were always just a stand-up yourself. You weren't I like don't, in I don't, a dual... I, no, I did a sketch show as well uh, one year at the Edinburgh Festival. So I did... I'd done a sketch show and I'd done like split bills where we share the time slot with a few other people. So the, but 2006 was my first year doing my solo show where every night you do an hour in the same room by yourself for a month. Okay. And I'd done that. I'd just done that. So that was like... 
learning how to be a headliner yeah. over the course of a month. So I was just, I did an hour many times. So I had an hour of material. But then I hadn't tried it in America. And I didn't know what would work and what wouldn't work. And I didn't know where there were turns of phrase. And I didn't have yeah. enough time to translate all of that material. Uh, and also, I didn't know TV, like an NBC audience, doesn't necessarily respond the same way as a club. Right. Um, the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa, I've told people since, since, by the way, is NBC. So if you, if it works, that like the set, yeah. that ki- the 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 sh- the bit that got me kicked off the show was I like it was a little bit dirtier, and I I tried it out at the Comedy and Magic, and it didn't work, and I just put it down to like. Oh, they oh, didn't get it, a, yeah. It was just a freak occurrence. Something, you know, so every so often a bit just doesn't work. <laughs> but this bit always works. It was my closer. And then I did it on the show and it just went ka-chunk. And I was like, all right, I'm off. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Good night, everybody. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so it just, yeah, that's what, um, but I didn't have time to translate all of it. And the other thing I didn't think through smartly enough is because at, at no point did I expect to get as far as I did in the show. I didn't give any thought to dividing up material. So I didn't kind of think, you know, people who expect to go a certain distance, people who went in there with like... They're very calculated as to what they do and when they do it. Yeah, and you do like, all right, well, you think you divide up your bits into four-minute chunks or however long the sets are you doing. But I would do like, all right, I've got four minutes and I need to knock this one out of the park. So I will do like the best minute of three of my jokes. And then... Interesting. And then in... in So I've done that set and then I realize, oh, I've just... Burned those jokes. I've just burned 15 minutes of material in a four-minute set. Yeah. Uh, although, although, tell you what, man, I did it, and I tried to pretend I was going to go a distance and chunk out my set, and I got fucking knocked out right away, and I was like, why did I even care? Like, that was just pointless. I should have given it no thought and just gone up there and, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's I, the other way to think about it. It's well, just, just kind of go, by, like... You, and, and look, hindsight is what it is, but I think by you not being that I'm going to go the distance and I'm going to da 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 you know what I mean, and this is what I'm going to do, by not having that in your in your feel the vision you were able to just go out and be funny and that worked well for that's you. also true and yeah and who knows like if i had just gone like all right i'm gonna do one four minute joke maybe i wouldn't have got half as far as i did so who knows right so, exactly exactly there's, and, there's and no the other thing is you have no fucking idea and neither do they and it doesn't matter and at the no. time that you were in the show uh the ratings were higher right there, there, there was oh, yeah. there's some People of the, the watched, better years so so you yeah. said you finished in the top 10 yes and that's just so you didn't make it past the top ten. I, I got I came seventh in the end, you but that's seventh. great. Once you're in the top ten, you do the tour, right? So top five, no I missed, top five in the I tour. I missed the yeah. tour by one show. But uh, have you? Did cost you me about eighty grand? But because of the year that you were in it, it cost you eighty grand. Okay, but do we, do we, we won't focus. We won't focus on negatives. Yeah. yeah. But because because you made it as far as you did, and, and it seemed like that, that was one of the years where there was still getting a lot of eyes on the show. Did you still see the impact of it? Oh, hugely. Afterwards, and also the way I came up from the show. And one, one of the things I tell friends is, look, don't go in expecting to win. Only one person's winning. What's more important is win fans. Yeah, exposure and and, and you know try and be on try and be on camera as much as you can. And I was, I was on camera a lot. I got put up for like two head to heads. I so I did a lot of stage time, and I was on there a lot. And and I was getting across my personality a lot, and I was generally likable. So when I came off the show, I at least initially, a lot of people knew who I was, and I could go on the road. And people would pay to see you. Yeah, and I would really notice it, particularly in, like, in clubs outside of the main cities. The Saturday early show, particularly, you kind of go like, that's the NBC audience. So you just go, yeah. like, I'd notice that would be the one where, where it would just be fans. Yeah, it would just be, that's cool. Which is great. Um, but they also didn't want to hear any dick jokes. No, they they did, but like I, it took a bit of learning as well. Yeah, 
Um, it's definitely different in a club. I think once you get into a club, you feel different to in a TV studio. Do you think it still helps you? Not so much. In it. Like, people still vaguely, but no, I think other, th- other things since. But who knows? I don't know. Like, now it's not... I mean, it's been it's been seven years since I was on that show. But you also, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a stand-up, I mean, you're going to take your stand-up career seriously anyway. So your growth is going to come in your writing, your performing, performing. yeah, exactly, the things that you do and how people are identifying with you as you go show to show, and who's who wants to still hang with you, meaning. Who wants to follow you on Twitter? Who wants to be your friend on yeah, Facebook? Exactly. Who, if they don't care about you... Here's I mean, the annoying thing from that. Uh, it was the last year of MySpace. So I got like a whole lot of MySpace uh, fans. And, and everyone's like, like, fuck you, well, we're you going still, to Facebook. You still have them. You didn't get rid of your account, did you? It could always come back around. Right? <laughs> I deleted my account. Was that a bad move? <laughs> no. It's it's done. It's officially... <laughs> That's why I don't work as much. I have no I MySpace still have account. It. Don't ask me why I still have mine. I think I go Check there in, once in a while and giggle. I, go, I do go back every once and I just kind of laugh. It's because gotta be it, it's hilarious. well, it's a time capsule. It yeah. it, it, it shows you something that. <laughs> That's why I'm pissed. I deleted mine because it'd be something funny. To it go is, back to. except they deleted all of the messages. Oh, really? They wiped your inbox. Because uh. I, I found I I was doing that about maybe two three years ago. I was going back to a city and I remembered like, oh, there were those people who were fans of mine who came out of that show. I should find them on MySpace and just on the off chance they'll get an email notification. Like, oh, that's weird. And then I tried to find the message, and my inbox was just empty. Yeah. Oh, that's horseshit. I'm calling Tom. So let's take a step back. Um, you uh, you decided to do stand-up. Yes. Uh, how old were you at the time you decided to do stand-up, and why 20, did you? 21. Okay, and what got you into stand-up? Like, what was your childhood like? Was it Were you a big, like, I love watching TV, and I'm really obsessed what with these certain entertainers. And, like, yeah, what, no, I, what I was watched a lot of stand-up. I definitely. When you were a child. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of comedy. And so, so I, I'm going to claim ignorance here, uh, because I'm an American. We don't pay attention to anything. How big was comedy where you grew up? In like, the did, of does London it does it matter? Like, I know I know what comedy meant to me growing up in the United States. I'm just curious, okay. what the influences were and where you got it and how it influenced you. So when I was growing, when I was younger, there was very little stand up on TV. Okay, um, there were there were like four or five stand ups who were maybe who were maybe known on TV, and then. When I was like 15, 16, these two stations started up, the Paramount Comedy Channel and Channel 5, and they started putting on a whole lot of stand-up shows. Uh, Would you consider that a boom also in the scene? An initial one. An initial one, yeah. So suddenly, suddenly like club comics were getting on TV. Before then, it was like, you know, obviously Billy Connolly would always be you know, right. there. And then there were a couple of other people who you nec- who wouldn't know. Like there was this guy, Jasper Carrot, who also came up through the folk scene like Billy Connolly did. Jasper uh, Carrots? Carrot, yeah. Carrot. And he had like this sketch and stand-up show. There was Victoria Wood. Uh, you know, and these, uh, you know. And then a few people in the mid, early to mid-90s started getting on TV doing stand-up. Like um, that was when Eddie Izzard came through and right. his... His uh, specials were huge, and then uh, and then you wouldn't necessarily know Frank Skinner or Jack D. So there, there were people, there were people who were getting on TV doing stand up, and I was really into them. What drew? But, what, what what type of stand up did you were you drawn to? Like, were you more performance based, or were you more like what written based, storytelling based? Like, what was the stuff that I'd watch you, everything you did? You didn't care. You, you didn't liked Eddie Izzard, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember like okay. his first. Yeah, we, we had like when it was still VHS tapes. We had like the tapes of those first yeah. shows, and yeah. Um, uh, I remember, yeah, watching them on a school trip and then being like being allowed to put that on the bus or like on the coach or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, 
and yeah, and then suddenly they started putting on TV. They started putting stand up a lot on TV. Now, were you driven on these to two channels? These two particular these channels. two channels, and then also the BBC had the BBC stand up show. But then there was like live at the Comedy Store, and there was a show called Gas, and there was a, like I can't. There were like various shows that were the equivalent of the evening at the Improv type things, sure. or, or live at Gotham, or that kind of thing, where it's just right. like, all right, let's just take stand ups and let them do their five thing people on TV. who are yeah who would crush in the clubs and let's put them on TV doing 10 minutes of material. Now here's the thing. Were you a quiet kid that just liked stand-up or were you a funny kid in school and around the house and so... No, I was between the two. Okay. Like I wasn't like I wasn't like the super quiet kid but I was definitely like the kind of nerdy bookish. I could be funny. I would be funny with my friends but I wasn't like I wasn't the class clown by any means. Yeah, okay. you weren't trying to get attention you from weren't everybody. Showbody. No, because I was, I, was, I was a smart ass and I was like you know, I, I was a dick sometimes in class but also... But also, I was very self-conscious, and still am. Like, I'm still, like, I've... Just you're a human being. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you I wouldn't be, like, the kind of... I wouldn't be the, like, stand on the table and do a funny dance kind right. of kid. Like, right. that's not me. What happened to that kid at your school? He's dead now. Right? He's dead, he died of a drug overdose. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Sorry. That, what table had a wobbly leg. <laughs> yes. 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 Right. Hit his head. It was uh, a tragic you, story. You, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump around just because I, I, yeah, I sure. like the backstory. Because he likes stories, but, Well, no. <laughs> uh, Danny boy. Um, we'll get him on the show. Uh, so, um, but you come from a great family, uh, your, your parents stayed together. Are you an only child? Do you have like, what's your one of one? I'm, I'm the eldest cats. Of, I'm the eldest of four. Uh, I was raped by cats, but that was fine. I think you said raised. Raised, but raised. that's fine. We can go with raped. raped. I was raped. I was raped by, by cats. cats at an early age. And that my lover stand up is where that came from. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. I never really thought it had affected me until now, but <laughs> now, now that you mention it and I'm unblocking it and having a breakthrough. Okay. That being said, I want to bring in the cats. Yeah. We are going to bring, we're we just get throw this. cats at you like, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the cats. The new that format here on Hollywood Anonymous. <laughs> we take a tra- trauma for your childhood. And- uh, where did you fall within the family? Youngest, oldest, eldest. middle? El- you were the eldest. Uh, parents still together. Very middle class family. Okay. Mum's a teacher. Dad's an accountant. All still in London? Outside of uh, London? Yeah. Were you the goofiest and the, fu- the funniest in the family? Is there somebody in your family you go, oh my God. Like my, my brother, I've always said, my, my brother that's just the, the one that's closest to me is way funnier than me. He's oh yeah, so is my brother. The, like yeah. in the family circuit, like the, when the family's together, I'm like, that dude's hilarious. Like it's not Yeah, me. no, I don't think so. I don't think my parents are, oh my, my, I'm, no, I've, they're all sisters and two of them are a lot younger than me. Mm. So I've got like, there's me and the, me and Sam, Samantha's like two years younger than me. And then it drops off. And then there was like a gap. Like my parents had two and two. Your parents okay. weren't getting along, and then all of a sudden they were, they were getting, getting along, along a lot. And then two more kids. So there's like there's like a full decade between me and the other. Two. Oh wow, that is quite so a, what we just said is man. definitely true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So you know, when I was growing up, like I went off to university when they were they were still babies almost. So right. do you really have a? I mean, is, is, do you have a relationship with them now? I mean, I'm assuming yeah, back in the day you probably had zero. Like, who wants that little punk around? Like, well, right? that I was do, that the it attitude. Was, it was much more like a, like an uncle niece relationship almost. Like yeah. at, at times, and now, uh, now I do. Now they, you know, they're adults and they're right. cool and they're they're cool they're cool people. Like it's really nice. But uh, you, you guys have a completely different shared experience, though, don't you? Right? I mean, that's the one thing you guys. I mean, yes, yes, you guys have the same parents, but they grew up in a different. I mean, if, if yeah, you're a decade true. apart, I mean, they're a decade later. Different. That's a yeah, fucking so they, huge difference. Yeah, so they grew up with the same. They grew up with the same parents, but different people, kind right. of. Yeah, they, like my parents were ten years older. Uh, their living situation was ten years different. Right. Was, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 middle of the three sisters. She's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, no one's gonna get your stamp of approval of being better than you. Know, such... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have that kind of. But thing you were okay. Like... Were they were anybody in the family surprised that you chose the path that you, or were they like, no, no, we, we probably? But I was always like, I 
I think my dad said at one point, he's like, you know, you're quite an eccentric kid. And I was like, I don't think he <laughs> now, meant Now, was that it. when he was asking you to leave? Yeah. <laughs> Move out? You're eccentric. Here's a suitcase. I don't think he meant that as a compliment, but at the time I was like, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. My dad used to say, way to go, genius. And uh, I don't think he meant that as a compliment. <laughs> Did you, so, okay, so, so you, I, did, you, yeah. did you go to college and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, here's the thing. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it surprised them when they found out I was doing this because, uh, which by the way, I wasn't going to tell them for ages, but then my first proper, I started my first five shows were student shows, or like in front of university people. And then. Like first, real gigs. So they weren't like open mics. They were like real gigs. It was, it was weird. Cause there was this whole comedy scene there. Okay. So At the first, school. Yeah. So okay. my first gig was in front of like 150 people in a theater. Wow. Which was like, you can't hope for an easier, nicer game. How many minutes did you have to do? Like three or something. And do you remember your first joke? I don't remember my first, first joke. I remember my like... Do you tell any of the stuff that that stuff that you did? Do you talk? Yeah. Do you use any of that now? No, no, no. I use none of it now. But that's I, called growth, Brian. Well, no, I, <laughs> no, I'm always curious because it's like you're, you're you have no idea, right? You're going to this unknown. Was that the first time you'd ever taken stage, grabbed a microphone, and oh, yeah, done yeah. that stuff in front of people? And he, and here's I think what really surprised my parents. I was never the performer of the kids. Okay. So this this is actually one thing where my my sister, the one who's close to me in age. She wasn't the funny kid, but she was definitely the performer. Yeah. She, okay, she had like, no problem was, dancing in front of the parents, putting on little shows. Yeah, like if we went to, like when we went to kids shows and they wanted a volunteer, she was. Like, <laughs> she was always. She was on the stage before they even finished asking, and I would be the one trying to look invisible. You were right. like, yeah, fuck that shit. I'm gonna be yeah. back here. I would be trying to. I would be doing everything in my power to not be seen, and she would be doing the opposite. Uh, and in fact, like she was in, like she was in a show as well. Like she was a, like some local theater show when we were maybe. I think when she was like ten, she was in the cast of that, and so like, she was getting right. the adulation, she the attention. She was bug. okay with all she, that. Yeah, yeah, so she loved all that kind of thing, and she, you know, she did ballet shows and everything from a kid. And I, and I was the exact opposite. I was never, yeah, the kind of person to volunteer for any of that kind of thing. Uh, Do you think so, there was something in there like not wanting to be the butt of any joke, and then eventually you're like, but I can make jokes. I think that I, I'm sure there's some of that. I'm sure yeah. there's like I can control it. I can be, in, yeah, con- yeah, I can be in exactly. command of, yeah. Yeah, if I get in there first. Because also, I was... I think that's... You know, if we're getting, like, Psych 101 or whatever... That's, that's what we're uh, doing. Yeah, we're breaking it down. I was nearly always the shortest in my class. I always looked three years younger than half of my friends. Yeah. So there's definitely, like... Yeah, I'm textbook humor as a defense mechanism. Like, if I can be funny... If I can make the big kid laugh. Right. That. Instead of getting punched yeah. in the face, if I can make him laugh. Comedy or karate, we've always said. Yeah. Is that, right. is that the motto of no, the show? No, but it can't be. Should we close or that door? Because I... I'm hearing the dogs bark in my earphones. No, it's coming from that way. There's nothing we can uh, do about it. They hate uh, you, John. They don't hate you. They me. finally realized you're here, and now they're they're trying, they're trying eating their way through doors to get here. Before cool. the, Hopefully we'll be able to finish this episode before the dogs get in. They're calling, so we have to end it now. No one cares. This His story is more interesting. It is way more my interesting. My dog's yeah. barking. So you, so you, Sorry. So you start out in front of 150 people. You do this. Uh, I'm ass- I'm assuming there's some sort of fear before you take stage. And, oh, and terrified. how did it go? Terrified. It went well. It did well enough for you to say, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. Okay. First gig was good. Second gig was great, and then I was hooked. Third gig was a death. I was gonna say third gig. You wanted to kill yourself. There's <laughs> yeah. no because once you get that one, you're like, dude, this is I'm good at this. I can do it. Yeah. The, the next one after that is like, no, you can't. You suck. Goodbye. I've even found that happens in a night. Like. Two, two, two multiple sets? Two of my worst gigs recently, in like recent years, but like about a year ago and two years ago, both of them happened in the same situation. It was a London triple. So I did three gigs on the same night in London, running between them. First gig, good. 
Second gig, great. Third gig, I forgot that I needed to make them like me before I launched in... <laughs> yeah. You know, because you have your first gig and it goes well, so you go into you're the second all, gig. You're like, warmed bounce. up, they're not. Yeah. yeah. The third audience, you're all... They're not you're, following you're like, show I've been killing show. it all night. They're like, we have no idea. We are here. We've been here all night. Now yeah. fucking go. So I, uh, yeah. This isn't like election results where they're actually finding out how you're doing as before you arrive. It says yeah. he killed it at the first two clubs, guys. Here he comes. <laughs> yeah. He's already, like, endeared himself to you. Please welcome... <laughs> So I went on the third gig, just too cocky, and realized, you know, that that point when you realize, like, two minutes in, like, oh, it ain't clicking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. When you're like, they're not feeling me, they're not liking this. What am I gonna do? Yeah, and then you can sort of feel the. I think there's a there's a point with gigs where, with a death where, you know, if you like step on step onto a boat from the like a small rowing boat. Yeah. And it moves away too quickly. <laughs> As yes. you've got one foot on the land and one foot yeah. on the boat. And there's a point where you know you're going in the water, but you haven't gone in yet. And you're like, you're like, uh, what can I do to fix this? And you're like, there's yeah, probably like, nothing. There's, there's like a nothing. split second of like, <laughs> no, like, everything's moving too fast. It's done. Yeah, you're like, from like theoretically, I'm wet now. Like, right. I, there's no way now, I'm not... I have, fall, I have already fallen into this lake. Now, how do I But my body hasn't touched now. the water yet. <laughs> right. And that's like, there's a feeling like with some of those deaths where you're like, all right, well... Here there's no recovering this gig. Like, I haven't died yet, but there's no way of not dying. Right. But you know what? That's a pivotal point because you, 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 get, you get built up, right? You really do. You, you, you get full of yourself, and that's okay because you need to store that somewhere for the, for the long haul You need anyway. to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. So was there any, any point as you continue to go along where you're like, uh, I'm gonna, I don't care anymore. I'm going to keep doing this. Like, you, you, where you build up that, like, it doesn't matter. I'm in this for the long haul. Or, or did, you, did you ever have doubts... In the short term, the early time, you're like, maybe this is not a great career I choice. I don't know. I think I was pretty much, I was all in pretty quickly. You were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did the paid gig, now, is that how you chose to try to make a living? Or did you actually just try to go get some regular job during the day and well, stand up at night kind of thing? So I, for the first year of doing stand up, I was still a student. So you did not have to work? Were, were you? Uh, yeah, I was like living out the end of a student loan. And okay. I was, uh, and uh, were you at the end of like your senior year or were you? Yeah, it was my final year. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and the system works kind of differently. And also, university then was cheaper in Britain. Okay. Like, now they fucked it, and now it's like it is in America, or it's going that way. But uh, at the time, like, tuition was like, I can't remember, but it was it was like one or two grand a year. Okay. Oh, wow, that's sweet. Or something. Yeah. It, was, it was like, it was... Yeah. It wasn't abysmal. It wasn't right. like, you're not going to come out, like, five figures. I just paid off the loans I took out. Right. Like, yeah. not even a week ago. You so should never just, have paid them. They're going to, at some point, that's... That'll uh, be taken care of. But anyway, that's all another story. So, credit, so. so so you get out of school. Okay, so now you're out of school. So, so now you, so so you live moved, the high life for a little while on your student So then loans. I moved back in with my parents. Okay. Uh, warp, warp. <laughs> and then <laughs> And now the low life. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I had a little temp jobs, but mostly was some money started to come in relatively quickly. For stand up. So you yeah, were getting enough gigs. Because at the time, again, again, like I was there at a fairly sweet spot with the British comedy scene where there was a lot of work. And a lot of it was at least low paid. So within the first year, I was starting to get, you know, gigs that would pay 60 pounds. Okay. Wow, that's nice. And, you know, a couple of those a week when you're living with your parents. Yeah, you don't have to worry about rent and bills and food. And then, then, and then you know, the odd 100 pound gig would come in. And then within, within like two years, I, w- I think within two years, I was able to pay rent. I like, I'd like moved out and I was paying rent. Wow. Now, let me ask you about the gigs. Now, are these like traditional stuff that we have here? I mean, are these MC gigs, feature gigs, headlining gigs? Are they one-off gigs? Are these it's a club different gigs? System. Okay. So Britain doesn't do the kind of MC feature headliner okay. format. 
Like, some out-of-town gigs will have something similar to that. Okay. But firstly, the MC is never the bottom of the bill. Okay. Which it is in America and blows my mind. Like, it's so weird that... Right, the guy who's running things and keeping everybody on point is the least uh, respected. Yeah, that's... I think... Because Canada has a similar system, but then the one thing they do differently is the MC is normally higher up the hierarchy. Because it blows my mind in America... Quite often, not every club, some clubs have like a house MC who's someone who's good and established, but a lot of clubs, the MC is just graduated from the mics. Right. Like yeah. that week. Yeah. So they really are the They're newest okay person. They're okay at best sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you go like, that's the most, aside from headliner, that is the most important job. I would agree with that. That's, that is, that's a good point. That is the first and last impression that the audience has. Well, it's that's funny. the person who sets the tone for the entire night. And right. it's funny, Matt, when you bring that up, when 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 people from America get to Los Angeles, nobody wants to be the MC. And I always say to people, I'm like that. To me, I've always found that that is one, of, especially out here. I like MC. It is one of the most crucial spots, I believe. Yeah. In in this city, and people just they feel like it's demeaning them when yeah, to do it out there. Yeah, because they have that attitude. And I'm, I'm the old, I will take MC work happily. I mean, like, maybe not on the road because it does it pays nothing. No, the but, road is, is I'm, out yeah. here. Road, no. But, uh, but I'm a good MC, like, because in Britain, they didn't have that thing. And then once, like, in Britain, I graduated to the point where they let me MC. MC. right. And then, and that's where you learn others. In Britain, I think also it's it's more, the MC is expected to do a certain amount of crowd work and a certain amount of improv and a certain amount of, like, negotiating the energy of the room. Mm-hmm. Whereas in America, the, often the, the MC, often at the request of the headliner or the club, the MC will do almost no... Nothing except for material. So it's really weird. Like, they walk on cold, and they'll go like, hey, everyone, how's it going? So <laughs> I was in, and you just go like, you just, no, you can't do that. You can't start like you're doing a Letterman set. Yeah. Because Letterman sets, they've already had 40 minutes of Letterman. Yeah, so right. Like, they know, <clears throat> like, you, this is the start of their night. Welcome them. Yeah. Like, like f- make them feel like there's going to be a show happening. Hey guys, here, welcome to the show. Here's what's going to happen. You guys, this is it's going to be a great night. We want. Let's party. Yeah, and like let them know. Hey, if you here's here's how it'll work. If you behave in this way, the whole night will be better, and you'll have a better time. Like that's I think that's really important for an MC to do to kind of go like, look, this is a two way thing. The more love and energy you send this You're way, you're going to get back. Yeah, you will get a <clears throat> you will get a better show for it, and you will end up. And if you do your bit, you're going to end up having an amazing night. Is that cool? I think and it just makes everything. I, I will, think you should be the video they show at the improv now. Like yeah. it just the screen comes down, and it's just you going, "Look, if you guys are cool, the comics will be cool, and it'll be a great give and take." Yeah, yeah but there's this other dynamic though <clears throat> that you know. In, in talking about that, you have to remember though, especially uh, again, I hate to say this out here, is that people are mostly worried about their set. They don't really care. If you go up to yeah, minute two after them, they don't care whether you do good or not, dude. As a matter of fact, they prefer that they did better than you and they're okay with that because that means that they've got a better chance of surviving out here. That's true. And I don't think that people go into it looking about, looking at it saying, comedy is a scene and comedy requires two things. It requires performers and it requires an audience. And we're kind of in this together yeah. and our job collectively is to entertain that audience in hopes that they continue to spread the word, yeah. come back, bring more people the next time. But but there's there is a there's a weird disconnect when it comes out. I we, think we're totally, not in together. You're totally right. And it, it probably comes from the fact that it's all this showcase format. Whereas in Britain, it still is... Every show I did starting, it was still a show. Like even the London shows where they're... There'd normally be maybe like three or four acts on the bill, all doing 20 minutes. Right. Everyone gets paid the same amount of money. Uh, and then the MC often gets paid a bit more. 
Because he's working a little bit more. He, she is, you know, putting more in. Yeah. Exactly. And also, they can't double up right. in London, whereas the other acts can. You can do two or three shows in a night, but if right, you're hosting you're the show, stuck. then you're stuck in that club. So, the, like, the London Comedy Store, the MC gets maybe, like, I think, £40 more. Okay. But still, the acts who aren't MCing will run off and do another gig. Right. Um, but, uh... It's still about the show. Like, that audience comes in, they pay their money, they have a show. It has an intermission. That's the other thing that's different. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, and what is if the we, reason If we had that, an intermission in America, people would just wander off. Um, well, they would never they're come hammered back. or they would, they would come never back. come back. Well, the reason, partly, is that we, it doesn't... Most comedy clubs in Britain don't have table service. Ah, you got to get up. You got to get, get your, your drink. Oh, you got to... Like, yeah. John would be really good at that because he wouldn't have... <laughs> the table. He, you should see how many things you can carry <laughs> yeah. at once. So it's like... It's more like... Like when you go to the theater, you get your show, you get your drink at the beginning of the show, you go right. in, you see and the then movie. there's then there's the break, and then you get your drink for the and second why, half. Why do you think that is? They just don't want to. Inter- do you think that's a, a conscious choice of not wanting to interrupt what's going on on stage? Do they get? Do they find it a distraction? Yeah, I think so, and that's just how it's always been, and I prefer it. It's it's yeah. for, it means you don't have a check drop. You don't have yeah. if you're closing the show, you don't have that bit 15 minutes before the end where everyone's trying to work out who it was who had the wings. Yeah, right. <laughs> and who owes what? And then uh fucking wings and then um also it me american comics are always like does that not interfere with the energy of the show and you're like no it's great if you're emceeing if you're hosting a show in britain your favorite bit the bit that you save the bit of material you're most looking forward to do doing is after the break okay because you've gone at the beginning you've gone on cold and you've hopefully got them warmed up and you've made them like you okay and you've done a mixture of crowd work and then some material and you, you know, you, cause generally if I'm emceeing, I like to do at least some material cause I, I want to try stuff and work on shit, well, try and stuff and work on shit, but also train the audience into listening to jokes as well. Cause yeah, I this think, is how comedy works. Yeah. Not yeah. every comic is yeah. going to interact with you guys the exactly. way I am. Cause sometimes it, it's, if you're, if you're one of the acts and the MC has just done nothing but crowd work, that can be tricky because yeah. suddenly it's a different energy. It's like, it's yeah. like, Oh, hang on. He was just chatting to us. And now we've got to listen to this person. Um, so I like to, you know, start off with a bit of welcoming banter, but then segue into bits. Uh, but, but then they have their break. Uh, the first half will last for maybe 45 minutes or or so, maybe a bit longer, maybe 50 to an hour. Then they had their break. Uh, the people who need to go to the bathroom have emptied their bladders. So they're relaxed. Yeah. The smokers have had their nicotine hit. So they're relaxed. And they've and the people who are getting edgy because they've run out of drinks have now got their full beer in front of them. <laughs> so now they've got like their nicotine levels good, their bladders are empty, and they got a full drink, and they like you because they've already learnt now who you are and they've trust that you're funny. So then you get to go out to an audience of fans. Then you right. get then you go get to go out to an audience that's like warmed up and ready and likes you, and then you can hit them with like six minutes of straight material, st- straight material that yeah. they're like that they're really into. What are the lengths of the shows then? Well, they vary. Because um, here it's obviously traditional shows are an hour and a half. They say after about an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, people want to murder comedians. You're, you're going to start facing two nights. But that's because they run straight through as well. I'd say, I'd say probably it is about the same amount of time. So it's a standard. Different clubs have different formats. So um, there, are some clubs, there are some clubs that have uh, three acts and an MC and have a break between each. Okay. Uh, so it would be. Maybe the the host does like ten to fifteen at the top, and then the first act does twenty minutes. Uh, uh, so that's like a half thirty five minutes, then a break. Then the act will do like five five to ten, and then another twenty minutes, then a break. How long are the breaks? 
It depends on the club, but okay. hopefully not too long. Some, that is something that can go wrong. Some clubs, particularly if they're having troubles, I've done them before where they've had like a kind of 25 minute plus break. Ooh. And then you're like, then you're in trouble because yeah. then they are getting tired and they are getting. That's like a pitcher. You've given yeah. them too much time to think about other things. Yeah. At some so, point. so sometimes <laughs> that can cock up, particularly like at Christmas when there's big parties in and there's uh, some like yeah, a clusterfuck, yeah, yeah. then that can be bad. Yeah. But if the breaks kept to, if the breaks kept around 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 20 tops, that's normally fine. Okay. Like long enough, basically long enough to have a cigarette, get a new drink and go to the bathroom. Yeah, like like that's the sort of, yeah. So let me, let uh, me talk about another interesting dynamic of, um, how, how you began your comedy career. Um, the assumption is that it's also easier for you to travel to other countries around there and, and build that way. Or did you not do it that way? Did you stay within? Oh, no, no, no. You totally do that. And it's also easier to travel around Britain. That's the other thing that's different. Okay. Because, I mean, maybe if you start off East Coast America, then you can get to a lot of cities pretty quickly. But if you start off West Coast or in the Midwest... <laughs> Everything's like, very so far spread apart. Out. Yeah, yeah, if you start off in Iowa or whatever, then you might have your local club and like three other satellite rooms. But then the next major city is like yeah. a four-hour driveway. Yeah. But you and, can find... The, the interesting thing about uh, other than the coast... So basically, you have your two coasts in, in, in the United States, and then you kind of have a little bit of a southern thing. Most of it, m- most material... You know, you you kind of you, you kind of figure out where the common ground is. Yeah. When you're going to different countries, does it become more difficult, or is or do you learn the common themes? And how does it how does that change and or develop your material? I mean, when you go to other countries, okay. Firstly, a lot of the time you're playing to expats. It depends yeah. on the country. Sometimes some of the European gigs you are playing more to locals. Like I've done gigs in Holland, for example, where there's a lot of Dutch people in the room. Uh, but then when you go to Singapore, say, or Dubai. It's all English-speaking people. All that Brits, Amer- it's, it, not all. There, there are some locals, and some of the promoters are better than others. The, gu- the guy I work for mostly in Singapore is really good, I think, at encouraging a scene where people who are, like, uh, native Singaporeans and Malay and Indonesians and whatever do come to the gig rather than just British people who uh, work for a bank. Right, and, you work with some oil tanker or whatever. Yeah, and- so it... it but often you are playing to, often you're playing to uh, Brits and Americans and Australians okay. and Canadians. Uh, but I, you know what's nice about going to? Sometimes it is nice to kind of. Firstly, you've got different angles when you go to a new place. I normally like to get there a, like at least like a day early, or at least half a day early, and like walk take around, it and take it in, take it in, and yeah. find interesting, quirky things about the place to talk about. Which I do anyway when I'm on the road. It's like you know, there's no difference that when you're going to Michigan or whatever to kind of go. Oh, your town has this weird fountain, and uh, but then um, it's also a good test because if you're performing to people whose English isn't their first language, even if it's somewhere like Scandinavia or the Netherlands where their English is remarkably good, there's still certain tricks that you rely that you don't realize you're relying on until you don't have that opportunity. Okay, like you don't realize that turns a phrase that might be considered funny right. to a native English speaker. Unless you go out and talk to people. Language skills, and- yeah. That just that won't work there. So you kind of go, it almost is like a good test of, hang on, is this idea genuinely funny? Is this twist genuinely funny? Or are they just laughing because I found a quirky way of delivering it? Right. Does it help you, do you think, um, because obviously you hang most of your hat here now in the United States, do you think it was a good thing to have... 
began begun your career as a, a more of an international comic and 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 being trained in the way that you did because i don't and how much of that actually translates when you're traveling in the united states or do you look at them you compartmentalize them and there's just two different types of no they, they, i mean there's a lot of crossover i find it easier to gig in america than i do in britain okay uh Firstly, I think American audiences are generally more welcoming anyway. Okay. Or it depends on where you are in the country, but I think often, like, you know, if you're gigging in LA, you you don't have to necessarily be on the front foot as much as... New York scares me a bit more. Okay. New York, I think you have to be more on the front foot. You need to be more, like, like with it. Whereas LA, people, you know, you've just followed someone who's wandered up with a notebook and like, uh, something about carpets? <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then, yeah, uh... But then, uh, but also... You know, British audiences aren't impressed by my accent. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You're, you're not unique to them. You're just yeah. like another... Oh, and also, here's the other thing. Um, I have... My accent and my voice and my appearance has a lot more baggage in Britain. Because in America, when I walk on stage in America, obviously I'm, I'm put in a huge category. Like, I'm, I am the British guy, and that comes with a lot of assumptions, a lot of baggage, but it's a very broad, very general category. I am... British. When I walk on stage in, in Britain, I am North London, yeah. middle class, uh, probably private school educated, uh, like posh, but not super posh. Like it's like there's a, there's a thousand subdivisions that I'm instantly put on the second I open my mouth, which has all different consequences depending on where yeah. i'm gigging around the country how if much I'm, yeah how much you have to sell yourself up front to yeah. these people that have already made a judgment on you if i'm in liverpool then oh, what's, i'm a, i'm this southerner if i'm in east london then i'm this i'm from london but i'm the i'm from the posh school up the road like you know there's all sorts of different yeah things to either play with or play against and it gets in your head a bit whereas in america i'm just like oh i'm just this Brit. I'm, I'm british yeah yeah and do you appreciate that like it gives you more room to play yeah i think so i think it's nice to be like a broader category sometimes because then you don't have to you don't have it, your jokes of <laughs> you can talk about whatever you want and people in america will be like oh whatever that's his perspective as a british guy yeah whereas when you're over there when you're back home it's like oh this guy just told a joke about being broke fuck him i know he comes from the area that everyone's got money and he can go eat shit you know what yeah, I mean? and, yeah. and also you get less license to like if someone like liverpool is a perfect example because liverpool is Liverpool has a very strong sense of civic pride. Mm -hmm. And you have to sometimes be quite delicate if you... Like, some towns you can really mock. You can go straight in and just go, like, this place is a a shithole. And they're like, yeah! "Yeah." Liverpool, you can't do that. No, they're like, hey, have you ever heard of the fucking Beatles, motherfucker? And you're like, oh, yeah, because it's painted on every wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Even if I hadn't heard of them, I'd know everything about them. Just Oasis. I only know about Oasis. Uh, (laughs) But, uh... It come, that comes with a lot of bank. If I, if I were to go to Liverpool and mock Liverpool, I've got to be very careful about how I do it because there'd be people in there like, who the fuck are you to be saying that? Yeah. Uh, whereas I think I don't really have that in America. Or at least I, 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 can, I can do it more easily with love. I can do it... I'm sure there are some places where... You know, if I go into the deep south and start talking about politics, to yeah, like, well, like, if, like, yeah. Oh. If you're like, hey, fuck Arkansas, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, which brings me to my next question. So obviously, John Oliver has become a very popular, yeah, person in America, but he's also, you know, he takes the position of like, you know, his show is all about pointing out all the bullshit yeah. that we have. So do you do you feel like that also? Do you get some of that? From people who are like, hey, man, don't you better fucking watch out. Well, okay, John's don't. very canny about 
when he says we and when he says you. Yeah. And it's very it's very deliberate. Like you can see, like he, he very clearly picks which of them is appropriate for which specific subject. And it's very uh and, and he, I think he's got he's got the balance right. But also he's built up a lot of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through half a decade on the Daily Show Absolutely. and everything. Like he's just he's got to the point where people are like all right, we trust you to be saying this with the right uh, thing at heart. So you don't find that people are like, "Listen, buddy, don't you try to come into our states and well, start sometimes. talking?" To, don't, and don't I, you? And I think when I first when I first came out here as well, there were definitely times where I was maybe a little bit less thoughtful about it, where I would have come out. You know, I was just dumber about it. I just didn't. I think I see again. I think younger is what you mean. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because like you, you, of course, you were dumb. You were young. Yeah. I, again, this is like a running theme on this show. Anybody who's come out here, like, we are fucking idiots in our 20s. Yeah, and like, still am, probably. Yeah, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm sure I still look back in my 40s and look back and go, like, ah, oh, well, you, oh, you idiot, yeah, say metal stage. <laughs> but, uh, I live and have a podcast in my wife's basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember, I remember like, going on stage in North Carolina, for example, and doing Ooh. material that was, le- that was left-leaning. And I think, and I, I, don't, I don't regret doing that, but I regret how it was packaged. Because I look back at it now and just go like, you know what? You could have done those bits so much smarter if you if you decided to approach it from a position of more naivety or more openness. Mm-hmm. You could have done probably almost all of the same punchlines with a marginally different setup, and it would have been so much better as a piece of comedy. But so it would again, have been so that's, much. That's learning, of I course. Mean, yeah, yeah. Um, the the fact that uh, you are, you have now hung your hat in the United States is that still a goal of many comedians um, in Britain or or, or do you are there, yeah. is there a is there a line where like they're like no no I can I can have more of an international success and I don't really care about the states or is states still the the, the golden carrot I mean depend there are some people who there are some people who are doing very well in the UK who are who I've spoken to and they're like do you have any plans to go to the US and they're like no I I'm uh, start you know, to start over? Why? Yeah. yeah, I'm selling out theaters here, and I only have so much time in the year that I can tour and work up a new show, and I got my family here, and why would I, why would I spend two months earning nothing yeah. away from my family when I could be... Getting I, ready to earn a lot and yeah. writing new jokes and growing as an artist. But there are also, there is increasing numbers of Brits coming over, okay. which is... On the one hand, lovely because I get to see my friends. On the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> hey, 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 I was a fucking my place. Yeah, I like, was super unique here I did for all a the, second. I did all the work, and now there's like another. G- yeah. Are you? Uh, are you the guy? Are you still at that point where people are like, hey, man, can I come just stay with you for a sec? Are you the? Are you the stay with the guy? Stay, I, I stay at well, place. Now, now I got a studio apartment. that's not very easy to stay with. But, like, yeah, uh, sorry, people don't real give crowded, a shit. Real crowded. Don't, yeah, nobody gives a shit, right? Well, I need a place to crash. Well, I definitely am. And again, most of the time, I don't begrudge this because most of the time, I, I, I'm I'm happy to help our friends and stuff, but. What I am a lot of the time now is Brits who come here ask me to help them get gigs in America. And then Americans who are going to the UK ask the opposite. So like half of my life is like... Yeah, can I help you get a gig? And yeah, It yeah. kind of goes with the territory, right, though? Which is, I, I see how I, you're saying You'd be the it. first like, call if I was like, I'm going to England. I wonder if I can do shows. Yeah. Hey, do you and know I'm sure, again, like whatever town... I don't know what, which cities you started out in, but I'm sure when people from like those places, those scenes come over to... Like, I'm going to be in LA for a month. Who's got gigs? Yeah. Well, I mean, for years I ran shows in town, and so obviously anybody that came to town, I mean, yeah, you know, like to my Rolodex was pretty high of all the people, and I don't care. I was fine with most of it. It doesn't. But I know what you're saying too. You're just like, 
you become that. Yeah. That's that's how they. It's again, one of the mo- things that they see you, but they also like you and they respect you. Yeah, and most of the time I don't mind doing that. And also, most of the, I benefited from that the other way as well. Like just last week, I was in New York, and three or four people helped me get gigs there, and they didn't have to do that. So yeah, like, you know, people went out of their way to text or email. I find New York is shows. good like that. Like when I contact people in New York, they're usually very helpful about getting me shows, which yeah. I'm always like I get a busy signal. Is yeah, that the busy that's, signals there. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. Just wait for them to get call waiting. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also brought up uh, Edinburgh. That in in the comedy world, this is I, I, I more and more and more. This is a festival that is brought up and discussed more here, where it didn't is, it, for the longest time. It didn't. Which can is you, can you kind of talk about what that's all about and why there's yeah. this focus well, on this? Also, Edinburgh is kind of strange because it's getting saturated. Like now, I would. <laughs> I would advise doing Edinburgh 10 years ago. Any comedian on the circuit. It's, so South, it's like South by Southwest, what, what became of it in the music business. It used yeah. to be a very popular thing to do. Yeah, and then or, all of a or sudden... like the Montreal Comedy Festival, how it used to be this massive thing. And now it's like, eh, okay. Yeah, well, Montreal, I mean, it's Montreal's still a big deal, but it's not, people aren't getting... It's not the deal that it may, didn't... 10 do. years ago, people were getting, people were getting development deals. And developments. Yeah, people yeah, would go to Montreal and thing. every year one person would come out with a... New car. Yeah. yeah but uh, one of the things that you touched on, and, and this has been brought up to me, actually, one of my neighbors is also on Last Comic Standing, and he just w- went there as well. Um, Who was that? Jonathan Themius. He was on like two or three years ago. Cool. But um, he was saying, he's like, and you you kind of touched on this. He goes, you can do shows for a couple weeks there. like that, And that was the thing Four I weeks. didn't... That's what I didn't realize because you, you had brought it up. You had said yeah. for a whole month and, and you were doing X amount of shows. And, he's, and he said... That it doesn't matter where you go, the audiences are there. There's there's actual audiences and they're receptive. That's what that's what he had said there to me. Is, so I'm curious but also to get. the the average audience size. Every, I don't know the statistic. I've heard so many versions of the statistic. It's probably all made up, but they are like the average audience size in Edinburgh is three and a half people or whatever. Because <laughs> uh, here's the weird thing about Edinburgh as a festival. It's a fringe festival. It's the fringe that grew off from the Edinburgh International Festival but it has outgrown the thing it's the fringe of by a factor of about 100. Right. Really? Okay. Uh, it's the biggest arts festival in the world. Okay. But because it, but it's utterly, it's not curated. So Montreal, if you want to do Montreal, there's like three people who book it, and they have to like you, and they have to say yes. Um, Edinburgh, anyone who can find a venue that is willing to house their show. We know who this person is who's done that. Yes, continue. Right. So anyone who can find a venue that's willing to house their show and then pays the entrance fee, is in the festival. Okay. So the only bit that's curated, the only bit that's like quality controlled, is the more prestigious venues have their own internal curation. Okay. So you won't get to do a 9pm slot in the Pleasance if you're no one and you don't have credits. But you will be able to find some pub that's like three uh, three miles out of the city centre and have like a 1pm slot. And you can do that. And yeah. people do do that. Yeah. Um, Sounds great. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> Is there anybody there at 1 p.m.? 1 p.m. People do. And some people have success at that. But okay. it's, it's, this, it's this weird thing where you have everything from household names playing 900 seaters mm-hmm. to people who are crazy playing a corner of a room. Okay. And, and then everything in between. Okay. Yeah. And so it's this, in some ways, it's amazing. I was going to say, it sounds like it could still be a unique experience. Oh, it but sounds so it's... chaotic. How do you know who's playing where? Well, well, well there are. Are these listings magazines? Uh, and okay. then also, if you 
have a professional person producing your show, which is the other thing that's curated. You know, there are big companies and big agencies that specialize that will co-produce your show. Mm-hmm. And again, they will decide who they take on. So these big producers won't like Phil McIntyre or whatever, won't take on your show if they don't think you're good and don't think you deserve an audience. But then, then they'll, they'll organize like flyering teams. So there'll be like 21 year old bright eyed guys and girls. Yeah. The same people that hand out the things here, like the, um, uh, rave parties and all the right. flyers. Yeah, and just exactly. Like, like promo teams. Yeah. So, it, you team, know, they'll get you. like, um, yeah. So it's exactly that same kind of thing. So you'll, and, and when you go through Edinburgh, if you walk down the Royal Mile, you will be accosted by <laughs> hundreds of people trying to get you into either their so it's show. Like Broadway in New York. Yeah. yeah. Either into their show or the show of the or person that they're helping to promote. But, but Times Square times... A gazillion? Time, yeah, times 50, because there's so many shows going on, and they're every level from... You know, you'll get, like, whole student theatre groups, that, and they'll be like... 10 of them with their faces painted white and they're being costume and they're doing a bit of their play at you. And they'll be like, and then like someone run up to the front and like, come and see a show. It's a three fifteen at the grass market. Oh my God. And, and you know, you, you, it, it, or it's, it's almost like walking through like a, a middle Eastern bazaar or something where yeah. just like every other person is shouting at you, trying to get you to get your attention and trying to hawk their wares. Um, but it's, it's also, you do your show to however many people, in the same room every night for like twenty-two performances. Okay, so there. I mean, again, it's it's a it's a it's 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 not. It can be uh, amazing depending on how you go in there, and it can or it can just be okay. It doesn't sound like they're the nightmare scenarios. Don't sound. I mean, too can, many. It's, you can you can have terrible festivals. Like there are people who will people ha- like. I mean, because it's so high stress, and people will go there and have festivals where, like, I mean, I remember for example of quite a few years ago now, Morgan Murphy came mm-hmm. to the fringe and Morgan's a great comedian. I think she's hilarious. She just got some bad advice from someone and ended up in a venue that was a new venue that lasted for exactly one year. And it was just, it didn't have good signage and it didn't have good marketing to get people to that venue. And it was a bit off the beaten track. And she, so she was just playing to no one every night. She was playing to like three people who have been dragged in to- of, and you know, some some years it's rainier than others. And, you know, the streets are empty, and you know, so she's just like playing to three wet, annoyed pensioners, right? Uh. And then and you're like, well, doesn't matter how good a comic you are, that's not gonna that's gonna of, yeah, no. that's gonna drag you down over the course of a month, <laughs> yeah, as well as a month. So imagine like you know, you sometimes go on the road and you get to a venue and the venue's shit, and you go like, oh, this is gonna be a bad show, and then you move on, and then you're like done that night. But yeah, imagine do, imagine getting to your venue on the first night <laughs> of the fringe, oh, this realizing is gonna it's suck, terrible. and then the next night like it still sucks, yeah. like it's only getting worse. So you can have that. Yeah. So okay, so let's let's go to the flip side because I'm curious about this. So you come here, a lot of comics. There are certain things in certain states and certain cities as a touring comic. They're like blah, but because this is all new to you. When you first go through, like it didn't matter where you were, this was all in a new experience to there you. Some, Did you? Is, was it just like this is just America in general, and I just yeah, want to experience you know, some, it all? There are definitely things like that, like like Peoria, Illinois, for example, which is like the kind of town that ends up being the butt of a joke. Like, oh, I'm in Peoria. I was like, this is like Middle America. Like, it's real. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing it from the a gigs, completely different standpoint. Yeah, there's elements to wi- of which you're know, like, this is kind of cool to see this bit of, you know, people. Pe- my friends or family, if they go to America, they will go on vacation. They'll go to Florida or New York or L.A. or San Francisco, and they'll see that city. 
they don't get to see this. No, yeah, they, don't. they don't. Yeah, yeah. For better does. or worse. John does. Yeah. <laughs> I get to see it. Over and over and over again. <laughs> so where was your worst gig here? Where, like, like in all the time that you've been here, where you're like, uh, I, I could never go back there again. And uh, not because anything, just, it just whatever it was, the okay, reason. Okay, so there was just, a casino. Uh, you've, you've already got me. There was a casino, yeah. and it was, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about an hour and a half. No, probably longer. It's about two and a half hours outside of LA. Okay. And I was driving out there with another comic, and I was freshly off Last Comic Standing. This is when, uh, you know, I was just I just on the show. So every gig I was going to, there were people here there who knew who I was, and I was crushing all the gigs, and I was on a high. And I was driving out with the other comic, and he was like, hey, listen, uh, just so you know, I've done this gig before, and it's pretty bad. Like, it's not an easy gig. It's good to know that they're going back. And, yeah, uh, that's hilarious. That's because we'll take so, the so, such, yeah. such comedy. It pays. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I remember, like, I didn't say it, obviously, but, like, You're in the car, I was thinking, like... I'll be fine. Yeah, I was thinking, like, maybe you found it tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, but it, but that's what that comes hand in hand with that. You're like, I just I'm crushing it. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah maybe like, you're having a bad time, guy. There'll be people. We'll be good. So we get to this casino, and the showroom's like half divided from the casino floor, but like the walls don't go all the way up to the top, so you can still hear the machines. Oh my god! And then, uh, and we get into the showroom, and there's like an old time band like playing like kind of twenty standards, mm. while seventy year old slow dance. Yeah, that's your crowd. And you'll have a good time. And then the band finishes, and most of the 70-year-olds leave the room, and we're just left with, I think, 15 people scattered around, all barely alive. <laughs> and then the first guy goes up and does... Like, he walks about three or four of them. Oh, good, good. And That's then, always a good start. And then I walked about another three or four Perfect. of them. And then the final guy crushes really <laughs> does he really yeah he just as much as you can with that crowd well because he knew right there there has to also be something to be said for like i've already lived this nightmare yeah so I can't, I was can't it the guy you drove with no no no, oh, no. okay the guy i drove with was was up first that was danny uh, bevins who is okay. again hilarious comic great guy i've seen him in front of a real audience and he's he, killed it he destroys he's brilliant yeah but this one, like, is like that ain't his crowd, and that ain't my crowd, and I can't remember the name of the last guy, but that, I think he's someone who does a lot of cruise ships and a yeah, lot of. I was going to say that guy; he knows that he audience, just, yeah. and he knows, he knows how to do it, and he just. We, we left skill. to the sound of like applause, and we're like, "Let's get the hell out!" Pack it up, folks. Pack it. Yeah, I think my I, I, I my worst gig was about two and a half hours from here. Yeah, and uh, it was a guy. He doesn't even book shows anymore. It was it was a bar gig, but he was really he really pimped himself. I had known him for years to the comedy store in La Jolla, and he really pimped himself as like, no, dude, I'm a promoter now. Like, I've got this. I've got this. Out. I'm making it happen. It was a two person show. It was myself mm-hmm. and Tig, and it was uh, you and an audience member. <laughs> it, no, it was in and, and, and that phenomenal comic. And yeah, that and right. that show was it was a two person show. It was myself and Tig. And I remember no. us just kind of sitting there, and he's like, oh, I can't believe this happened. I'm sorry. You got the whole, like, last time story. Last oh, yeah, time. it was all last, last time show. it was on was fire. And, I mean, there literally was no one in the bar except for the bartender. And, and it was so funny. I just remember Tig going, well, tell you what, um, why don't you do five minutes for me, and I'll do five minutes for you. <laughs> and I kind of stared at her, and I was like, you're kidding, right? She's like, nah, you know, what the hell? I'll laugh. She's like, I'll laugh. You. She goes, if you promise to laugh for me, I'll laugh for you. And I was like, all right, fuck it. So we just did five to seven minutes in front of each other. And actually, well, actually it was more really just fun. like yeah. it was just, we're just, you know. Yeah, now you're like, hey, does this work? Yeah, we just fucked with each other. 
And she, because her attitude was just like, and, and you know, she was at a point. She's not. She was not as famous as she was now, but she was very well known in the circuit. So she could. She still could have pulled that card of like, you, uh, dude. I nobody knows who I am, and I could have been like, uh, fuck your empty room. I'm gonna go home. Bye. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, but you know, I think that it was the guy after me doing well that was the kicker. Because I think if you go to a gig and everybody and everyone it, tanks, and you go like, well, yeah, this is a place that should never five, have comedy. Right, exactly. This is unplayable. Yeah. But then when you go like this, huh. when you're like, this is unplayable, like, and then someone goes, unless, no, it's very playable. Unless that guy's <laughs> gonna go up and kill it. <laughs> no, you just don't have the skill set to play this room. But this is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think. It's just knowing in the audience and knowing sometimes that audience is just comedy is very subjective. Sometimes they're just not going to like what you're putting out there, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about Speaking it. Speaking of not liking what you put out there, so last night I'm, I'm the PTA president at my kid's school. Oh, mm. so uh, Name I, I like well, it's important uh, to me. You realize I was here with an elected official, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a badge. I didn't, I didn't but... see anybody say happy president's day to me, but that's sort of fun. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to send you a fucking <laughs> okay. card. I didn't get any cards. Yeah. So, so last, I had to do this um, uh, this Founders Day event, which is just this is just for people who volunteer and stuff like that, right? So most of these people are not like what we do. They're, they're not they're not mic grabbers. They don't take a lot of stages. They don't do all this stuff, right? So I I have a microphone and I'm doing my thing and I'm giving away awards to people, right? And this is and, well within your wheelhouse. It, yeah, so totally easy. Children this awards, is easy. Yeah. No, no, these are the two adults volunteers, uh, adult children awards. So I, I adults get, they need awards. I get up, and I'm only bringing this up because I'd be curious to see what your guys' take on this was because I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me right now. So I, I say, I announce this woman's name, and I go, I'm going to give her an award. She walks up. I hand her the microphone, and she grabs it from me like it's a used fucking tissue that I just jacked off of. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay. And like, just totally... Just like whatever fucking gross person. And like then I go, you can use the microphone. She's like, fine. And held it like way away from her and down. And I'm like, do you have a problem? Like, are you afraid to like share germs? She's like, yeah, it's gross. And just handed me the microphone back, said her thing and walked away. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I can't tell you how many probably disgustingly gross microphones. Obviously, I've had to grab yeah, in every my sing- lifetime. Every single one. We do. I can tell you I can... every single one you've touched but is you disgusting. But you just don't that is true. Like, do that to their mics. What's that? Singers have their yeah. own mics, but they also they put their mouth right on the mic. That, yeah, but, but I mean, it's just like they're her whole thing of like "fuck you," like in front of like the whole group yeah. of people. I was just like, there is a th- if you are a germaphobe though, I guess mics are pretty disgusting because it, it is just something that people are constantly spitting on. But like, you know what a germaphobe would do? You know what? I actually don't need that. I I, I actually like to I'll just, just yeah, but yeah, to like true. look at you and go. Absolutely fucking no way. Like, it's it's literally in front of a group of people going, you are the fucking plague, and I yeah. don't want to touch with you. I do, and I, of course, you know, I, I knew how to play it off, and I knew what was going on, but I just was just like, you just said, get the fuck well, over yourself. Yeah, well, I could have done that. I mean, there I, are, I could think of a couple of comics who have bits where they put the mic in their mouth. And you still have to go up and use that microphone oh, yeah. sometimes after them. I mean, you just, you have no choice. What are you going to do? Uh, You'd be considered a weird dude if you brought your own microphone just, on stage. And, and I've seen people do that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'll just leave it in the stand, I guess. Right. And, just, <laughs> it's, and just figure it out. But yeah, uh, fucking humiliating. But yeah. Uh, That's that, that was my worst American gig. I've had many worse British gigs, but yeah, that was the... <laughs> Well, that's because that's where you started. I mean, that's what's true. And and most of those awful gigs were like, like you said, you did it once, it was good. You did it twice, you fucking killed it. And the third time, you're like, well, I'm going to hang yeah. myself. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely over the years, the proportion of bad to good gigs has. Yeah, it, it, it's a numbers game, you know. Through, but yeah. Hang in there and you'll fucking. But yeah. there's still, yeah, what's fascinating about this job and awful in many ways, there's, but also great, is there's never 
not a potential bad gig around the corner. Oh, no. Yeah. Always. And like, if you know and I, that... And I know where they are, so if I have a couple of good ones in a row, I'll go fucking get on a bad one and be like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. All yeah. right. I'll, I'll knock myself down a peg on purpose. <laughs> so what do you got going on now? Like, what... Uh, um, where as, as, find uh, In closing, so yeah, so what's... Uh, well, it's mostly stand-up right okay. now, because I just finished working on a science show, and that's okay. done, but that, that'll be coming out in a bit, but might... What were you doing on that? I was writing on it, and also I'll get to be on camera a bit. Oh, okay. cool. So that yeah, was fun. You can be science-y. I can yeah. see that. And where, where, will, where that, will that eventually be seen? That'll so be that, on the Science Channel. On the Science oh, Channel. Oh, Okay. Uh, and then, yeah. You know. name, do you know what's the name of the show, or they not, is it still working? It's called title? Science, Brian. I, uh, Everything on the Science Channel is affiliated with Science, science part so good two. luck with that search <laughs> engine. Actually, I don't, because they're right in the middle of changing the name. Okay. The, the original working title was How to Build a Rocket Ship, Okay. but now they're changing it because it's Because you guys just, never built a rocket ship? Well, it's not. It's about how machines are made. <laughs> they went to Mars. And it's a... Uh, but they're like, I think the, the network, and probably just rightly so, are like, well... What, only one of the episodes is about rocket ships. Yeah, we don't want to tell people. We don't want the whole people thing to is... think it's just about rockets because there's also episodes on like MRI scanners yeah. and like, snow groomers, and they're like every. Uh, so that's happening. Okay. And then the pilot season. So who knows where I'll get anything out of that? And then I'm back on the road. Then I'm. Then I'm actually going to be back in Singapore. Oh wow! That's and cool. then maybe Australia are on the back of that. So you're doing a lot of traveling. Recently, Ish. no. Recently, recently, I've been in LA a lot, so I'm kind of getting itchy for the road. And then I just record a new album that'll be coming out. Soon. Uh, okay. Oh, there we go. What's that going to be called? That I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, rocket call, Science. Should call it Comic Breakfast. That's a good <laughs> name. <laughs> and where can people find you on the uh, social uh, networking? Uh, oh, Matt Kirshen on everything, and then probably Science is my podcast. Okay. Which, probably Science. If you want to, neither of you has done that, right? We nope. need to make that happen. And I like Science. Um, Let's make that happen. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> us going through the weekend science news with funny people. Me, okay. Andy Wood, and oh, Jesse like, Case when he's around. Yeah, I like Andy Wood. How's Jesse Case doing? Better. Yeah? Uh, yeah, like. Je- Jesse Case has uh, cancer, correct? Speaking of which, uh, it's his operation today, and I should have messaged him. Oh, uh, great. Way to record for him. Well, we here at the Hollywood Anonymous podcast are putting out positive vibes. John is, well, yeah, of course, because you are a cancer survivor. I am, but he's got real serious cancer. My okay. cancer was like almost comical compared in comparison. What cancer did you have? I had testicular cancer. Did you have to have anything removed? One of my testicles. Ah. I'm a sure. one. I'm a, I'm a, it's I'm on a, a keychain. I'm a uniballer. Did you get? Did you get like a keychain, like a prosthetic bullet? Uh, it happened to me a long time ago, and I asked about that, and they told me right before I went under, I was like, "Can I get a fake nut?" And they're like, mm, "Right now, we're only making them for dogs. They're called <laughs> they're called nudicles. But if you wait like two years, we'll be able to have one for humans if you need it." And I never needed it. No, I, don't know. I got one big ball, big enough yeah, for two. Yeah, America. Pound hashtag thing. All right. Well, that I guess that's it. Yeah, man. Thank you so uh, much. Hey, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. This is yeah, great. Thanks for coming on. It was great having you. And uh, we'll see you at the next breakfast. Definitely. Yeah, see you at the next comic breakfast. Great show, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 